Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. It's time for a breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, someone's ready for a breakthrough this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, we are, uh, if you've noticed, there's been uh, great news and uh, conversation and discourse over what's happening in Israel right now. And I want to say uh, three things about this. Number one, the Israel that is in the Middle East today is not the Israel of the Bible. I want, I want us to get that clear. That God set up a covenant people to have a covenant land that he would be the king of. And right now there is a nation with the same name that is not the biblical nation of Israel. You understand that, right? This is a democracy in the Middle East, right? That's the first thing I want to tell you. Uh, the second thing I want to tell you uh, is that um, there's a bellwether. The, the Jews are always a bellwether of, of hate on the world because when hate begins to be normalized Jews get persecuted I don't know why it is but anti-semitism shows us the beginning of the spread of unadulterated unfettered prejudice and racism and um, I, I uh, this has nothing to do with the conflict that's happening but uh, we see that uh, Jews are being persecuted they said in uh, Europe uh, uh, anti-Semitic attacks are up 1,100%. And uh, it's, 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 it's awful. And the third thing I want to tell you is, what the world is trying to say is that you need to pick a side. Is it, is it Israel? Is it the Gaza Strip? Is it the, these people? Is it that? These people are terrible. It's only because of these people. And these people are only doing this because of those people. And... Uh, don't fall into this trap. The world wants you to think that you have to draw lines where the world draws lines. And what we have been talking about in this message series is that the world cannot dictate our morality. The world does not give us a moral compass. We get it from Jesus. And I, and I have very strong political opinions about what's happening there, but I don't know if you know this or not, I don't have any vote. I don't have any vote what's going on in the Middle East. It's not my struggle. I've been there. Um, I uh, tweeted about this. I actually um, was in a town at the very south part of Israel when I was there, right outside the Gaza Strip, that was overrun by Hamas and uh, had many, many people murdered in that city uh, when those terrorists uh, invaded. And so I have a personal connection, uh, but it's not my purpose in this pulpit to give you political philosophy or theory. That's not what the sacred desk is about. What it's about here is to let us know, hey, just because the world is taking sides does not mean that you have to be drawn into that. We have a greater test of morality that comes from our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we believe that murder is wrong. And we pray for peace in Jerusalem. We pray that supernatural peace would overcome that land and that a supernatural solution will come to even this 
problem. And I bring all that up to say there is um, this, what we're talking about, about this talking back to the devil, about this pushing back against the narrative of the enemy touches every part of our lives. Whether we know it or not, whether we feel it or not, whether we experience it or not, we're in a battle over our soul. And so we're going to start here. If you got your Bible, turn to John chapter 15 in verse 18. I'm in the New American Standard Bible. I'm in the New 2020 version. It's what I've been reading out of. We're going to start in John chapter 15, verse 18. These are the words of Jesus. He says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. That's just a good word right there, right? You ever serve the Lord and people just start hating? Honey, can you do me some a favor and make these visible? I'm just, I'm just gonna, I just, I, I've just decided I want to see you today. And now it just like looks like there's ants on my paper. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna figure this out here. You ready? Here we go. Yeah, we'll read it from here. Let's read it together, shall we? If the world hates you. Know that it hated me before you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. If they follow my word, they will follow yours also. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know the one who sent me. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? This is, this is the, the message series that we're in, Talking Back. Thank you very much, Mikey. Thank you. Great job today. Uh, give it up for them, would you? That was so good, right? Courtney up there leading for us. Come on. Come on. Come on. And so as we're in this message series, talking back where we are, where we are moving into destiny, where we're pushing back darkness, have you, have you experienced this this week? Have you increased in the gift of discernment and noticed how the enemy is vying for your soul? Have you noticed that? In the, as we've been in this message series, has God challenged you in a new way to see things through the lens of Scripture and the lens through what the enemy is doing. Thank you, my beautiful bride. I appreciate you so much. Oh, hey, hey, there you are. There's people here. Hello. I'm so blessed. Thank you. So I hope you've noticed that there is a fight or a war over your soul. I hope that is, I hope that is resonated within you. And, and, and what, what popular Christianity tells us is that we're all basically good and we can add on to our goodness, Jesus. We, do, we, 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 we go to church because we just kind of want to learn more. It's kind of like a hobby. We want to just kind of grow a little bit. And, uh, and, 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 and we're all basically good. You know, every now and then we make mistakes. And, you know, it's not my fault to make mistakes because, you know, we're all flawed. And, uh, but God knows my heart, right? God knows my heart. And so, and so uh, you know, there is, is, there, is there really warfare? Can you make sure I'm all good here? Um, I appreciate that. Make sure all, all the mics are... And so, but we have learned in this, in this message series that there is actually a war over our soul that most people on the planet are losing, right? Most people are not engaged in this warfare in a way that they will win it and they will come into the victory that God has for them. I want to come into victory. How about you? 
I want, I want, I want, I want power over the things that are holding me back. I, I, I want to walk in victory where I want to walk in victory. I want to walk in freedom in areas where I'm currently in bondage. I want to pass down freedom to my children. I don't want my issues to be an inheritance to my kids. I want breakthrough to be inheritance to my kids. I want the anointing to be breakthrough for my kids. I, I want, I want a, a life free of my mind being cluttered over the lies of the devil to be the inheritance for my children. And we recognize you have to do that on purpose. You can't stumble your way into that. You can't sleepwalk your way into that. You can't passively move into victory. You have to actually go take the land. Amen. Amen. We have to take the land. And in order to do that, we have to know the enemy we're fighting. And we've talked about this. You guys should have this memorized by now, that deceitful ideas appeal to disordered desires that are normalized in sinful society. And this sinful society, like we talked about in this example of the war that's happening in the Middle East, and, and, and in this sinful society, it says that somebody has to be powerful and somebody has to be weak. There has to be a good person and there has to be a bad person. If we look at things, one person is right and the other one is wrong. And you can opt out of that narrative. You can say, guess what? I think both are wrong. I, I can see that both have done things wrong. As my wife and I have done uh, marriage counseling with couples together, uh, most times people don't want to come because the one person doesn't want to be told that they're wrong. They're terrified that their pain is going to be invalidated. And they sit down with us and we say, yes, this is a mess. And I can see where both of you have been unhealthy in this thing. And then you just kind of see the weight come off, right? Now we can deal in reality that this is complicated and it's not just a simple binary right and wrong. It takes so many things to develop relationships, so many things that develop into conflict. There's so many layers of our personality that bring us into bondage. And we just want to say right or wrong, good, evil, you're the good person, you're the bad person. But what we have found out is that there is a whole world out there that's normalizing sin. And our flesh says, well, it sure would be great if this, what I want to do is okay. And so the devil lies to us and says, you know what? Everybody's doing it. Is it really that big a deal? Is it really that big a deal? And the word of God says, yes. As a matter of fact, it is. It is a big deal when you don't go with God and you choose the enemy. And we don't think about it that way. We don't think about, we don't, we don't consciously understand that we just go down these roads of, of death and destruction. Devil is the father of lies. He never tells us the truth. I love talking to people on the phone and I say, hey, have you experienced this before? And like, yeah. I'm like, has it ever been helpful? This anxiety that's overwhelming your world. Has it ever been true? Has it ever brought you into favor and prosperity? No, no, because the devil can only lie. And the lies he speaks appeal to our flesh. And in response, we allow our desires to become disordered. Disordered desires. And disordered desires... Man, it's just like, it can be in so many areas of our life. It's keeping a word to your partner or paying your taxes. Like, I, I don't want to spend money, so I don't pay my taxes. Ah, you desire money more than you desire not being a felon, right? That's a problem. That, that's a problem. It could, be, it could be big things like you desire physical affection more than you desire to be 
faithful to your partner. It can be little things like, like you're trying to lose weight and you don't say no to that stuff. Might, you know, those who know me know that there is, there is God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then there's my wife, and then there's black jelly beans, and then there's my kids, right? I, 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 I love, I love black jelly beans. Black jelly beans, I don't understand why anybody, here's what I feel like God has done. God has made other people not like them just so I have access to more. That's, that's, that's how I like, he has set a special kind of like in the garden when he set the flaming angel to keep Adam and Eve out. Like he has sent a flaming angel to keep people away from the Jack black jelly beans. So I have access to them all. And, and, and they're just, they're that good. And so, and so, you know, I haven't had any in a while um, because my people are slipping. Nobody's gifting them to me in the Easter season. And uh, my wife went on a um, breakfast, breakfast getaway with her, or she went to, to breakfast with her, her, her sister or friend or somebody, and she went to, to, to Cracker Barrel. Of course, that's where you can find black jelly beans, because that's where people like me congregate, I guess. And she brought me back this little bag of black jelly beans. I was so happy. And she's like, now listen, put this away or you're going to eat them all up. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to take my time with these. I'm going to take my time. And so I ate a couple, and I was like, oh, these are so good. This is, now, I'm try, now I want you to know this. I'm exercising. I'm hungry. I'm trying to lose weight. But this little bag of black jelly beans was like, mmm. And I would just be sitting watching TV, and I, and I swore I could hear something. <laughs> I could hear something in the, in the kitchen calling me. It's been years since I had some black jelly beans. I was like, there's a couple more that probably, you know, and there's a little, there's a little bag of jelly beans. And so I was trying to eat them just a few at a time. And they, they lasted two days. I was, you know, I felt, I felt pretty good about that. And so I was, I was sitting, I don't know if you've ever done this. I was just sitting in my bed at night. My wife was asleep. I'm looking on the phone. I'm like, I wonder if you could buy black jelly beans online, right? You know, because in this day and age, in this day and age, you know, I shouldn't have to go anywhere to look for them because I've looked and couldn't find them anywhere. And I, and I went on Amazon and I just, you know, did a little search on Amazon. And uh, what, what do you know? <laughs> I, I found out you can buy three pound bag of black jelly beans. Now my flesh is like this. This is the Lord Jesus Christ himself who has come through. But then the other side of me said, no, that's the devil. The devil doesn't need you to be buying three pounds. Now, if you know anything about Amazon, if you look at the top of that little graphic, you see last purchased October 10th, 2023. I said, I need to get me some black jelly beans. And so I went and I bought me a three pound bag of black jelly beans. <laughs> Now, 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 I want you to know that I did this as an illustration for you, right? This wasn't for me. This was for the gospel, right? I needed a relevant example of the weakness of the flesh. It wasn't for me. I did power my way through it. Um, my wife was like, are you eating more jelly beans? You cannot eat jelly beans as late. I was like, but honey... They're so delicious, right? Now, 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 the flesh, of course, 
This helped me, my weight loss goals, not at all. This is, things didn't go well this week with the weight loss goals, if you know what I'm talking about. Because, because there's part of me, these disordered desires, like we have to gain self-control over stuff. And for me, it's black jelly beans. Now, I tell you, my answer, it's easy because I'm not going to order more, right? Like I'm not ordering more jack, black jelly beans because it's been proven that Carl cannot have self-control around black. My, 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 my thought process was if I just eat them all quick, you can only lose so much in one day, right? And that, that, that went over three days. And, but that's what we do. We lie to ourselves. We're like, oh, just this one time. I'll just do a little bit. I'll just, I'll just... And before we know it, we're trapped in this cycle of sin. I mean, for me, it's black jelly beans, but it might be, you know, you go to the checkout aisle and on the checkout aisle is like literally the lust of the flesh sitting there waiting for you, right? You, you got the magazines that you shouldn't be reading. You got the candy you shouldn't be eating. You got the high sugar sodas you shouldn't be drinking, right? It's all right there while you're bored. And this is when the enemy starts talking to us. When we're bored, he starts speaking to our flesh like, hey, I mean, and this, this, could be, this could be trivial or it could be a big deal. Like, I'm going to get past these jelly beans, but it might be spending money you don't have. It could be using drugs when you know this is not right. It, it could be pornography or, or, or lying. Uh, there, there's like this force. Have you felt it? There's this force out there that calls you to do the things that you know are not the best for you. They don't line up with your values. That's why we call them disordered desires. Desires that don't, they're not ordered in a way that your life will flourish. And this normalization of this is what we call the world. Now in the Bible, the world, the word world is called cosmos. It's kind of where we get the, the world from the, the, the skies, the, the cosmos. And, and uh, it, it has multiple meetings in the word. Just like when we talked about uh, how, how the flesh can have multiple meanings, uh, the word world can have multiple meanings in the Bible. Let's, let's think about like the word nail, right? The word nail can be, could be uh, a, a little spiky deal at the end of your finger, right? Used to, you know, it, or the end of your toe that, that, that could, uh, you know, protects the end of your finger. The, a nail could be uh, this spike of metal that holds wood together. Or a nail could be like, I, like when you do something really well, I nailed it, right? Well, in the Bible, words have different meanings of the same word. Now, the, the word world could be this planet, right? Just simply when you read in the Bible, it talks about this world. It says this planet, and that's neither good nor bad. It's just, it's just the world. And, and as we look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made so that they are without excuse. Now, I believe that, the, that God loves his planet because he made it. I believe as, as, as Christians, we're supposed to take care of this planet. We're supposed to steward this planet. We're not supposed to completely rape it of all its resources. We're supposed to be good stewards of the planet. But the planet itself is neutral. It's neither good nor bad, though it was created by God, and we are to honor it as such. The second definition that we see of the world could be Humanity. And the easiest example of this is John 3.16, as we all have seen. For God so loved the world. That's humanity. He so loved humanity that he sent his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, the third definition 
is what we're going to talk about today as we talk about a theology of the world. And this definition goes back to the Garden of Eden. And as you study and you remember back to the, the garden, there was Adam and there was Eve, and then there was kind of evil personified in the serpent. And the serpent tricked Eve into uh, biting of the fruit. And in this lie of the devil, the lie of the serpent in the garden, there were two basic things that the enemy deceived Eve and Adam about. The first one was rebellion. Rebellion, he said, uh, rebellion separates us from God. He separates us from God and, and, and the enemy think, makes you think that he has your best interest in mind, but he doesn't. He wants you to rebel from God, not so you can get ahead, but so that you can withdraw yourself from the grace of God. It's to secularize yourself. And the second thing that the enemy does in his lying is what we call redefinition. He redefines good and evil based on the thoughts in our mind. And this is what was personified by the serpent and the desire in our heart. There is rebellion and there's redefinition. And here's what I want you to know about this. The world is what happens when sin spreads through the society and the rejection of peace is normalized. This is what we are going to use as a definition of the world. The world is a system that is put in place by people who are deceived by the enemy and they normalize sinful thoughts and reject the peace that comes from God. The world cannot bring peace. The world does not have a plan to bring peace in the Middle East. Only Jesus could bring peace in the Middle East. These people who come under the conviction and power of Holy Spirit under the lordship of Jesus Christ is the only way that they could come to peace. But they have normalized conflict, normalized terrorism, normalized violence in a way that is not of the kingdom of God. It's of the world. Does this make sense? People, people, people who lie when it would be better to tell the truth. You ever met someone like that? They just, they just lie. And you can't trust anything they say. And you don't know why they would lie when telling the truth would even be better. Like, like, they, like there's a compulsion, a lying spirit on them. That, that's, that's people who are stuck in the world. Or, or you do something good, but you don't want to find people to find out because you think they'll make fun of you. You ever, you ever done that? You ever done the right thing, but peer pressure keeps you from telling people you did the right thing? That is the world system trying to push you into rebellion and redefinition. That peer pressure is the evil called the spirit of this age, which we're going to talk about next week. And, and this is as old as time. This isn't something that just came when Jesus showed up. This, this fight is as old as as God and man. Here's how Isaiah put it, as, as God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. This is what the devil did in the garden. He tricked Adam and Eve into thinking that they would be more wise than God, that if they redefine good and evil, that they would come into a pleasure that they cannot come by obeying God. Is this making sense? This is the war 
that we are in. And, and, and this is what I want you to understand as we tackle this for three things. Number one, no matter how the world, our culture, says the opposite, there is evil. Evil is not a moving target. Evil's, evil is not the, uh, defined by the masses. Evil is not the, what, what the current culture likes or dislikes. I'm going to give you an example. Slavery has always been evil. It does not matter what culture you're in. doesn't matter what the normative practice is. It was evil in the beginning. It was evil when it was done in the Middle East. It was evil during the transatlantic slave trade. It's evil today where women are being sex trafficked. It is evil. There is no case in point wherever slavery is not evil. Does that make sense? Because God has decided that we are created in his image and we are created for freedom. And so those things that violate our freedom are evil. Amen. Doesn't matter if we agree or disagree. It is, has been, and always will be evil. And so no matter what the culture says, there is evil. Number two, I want you to see that this world, our culture, has redefined what evil is. As a matter of fact, in many areas, you're not even allowed to call something evil because you're considered a hater. You're considered judgmental. You're considered bitter. You're, you're, you're considered someone who's old-fashioned. Okay, boomer, thanks for, thanks for your opinion. You're like, I, I don't care what y'all think. Y'all are crazy. This is nuts. Popular culture at, at one time uh, would, 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 would want the benefit of people in certain areas, keep etiquette. Today, in popular music, pe people are, are, are celebrating their drug addiction. And I'm like, y'all are stupid. Y'all are stuck on stupid. This is not a way forward. This is not going to prosper you. And what's funny is, I, I don't know if y'all have followed popular music in the last 10 years. I, I try to keep up with it. I can't understand what mumble rappers are saying. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't have any clue. I'm trying to listen. I'm like, what? Hey, what? What? But th there was a time, th there was a time where, where, where popular rap, where, where people wanted to be cool. That's how kind of where it started. And when people looked like they were, I, I, I don't know, with studs and looking kind of weird, like they're in a 70s gang movie. It was really kind of weird. And then, and then, and then it, then it kind of turned into looking hard, right? Pe people were thugs, right? That was the next wave of hip hop. And then people bragged about being drug dealers, right? Remember that? And all of those famous rappers are either actors because they weren't really drug dealers, right? They became actors like Ice Cube, right? They, they, he never was a thug. He just acted it. And so he just became rich, right? Or they, or they went to jail, right? And, and then the next wave of rappers celebrated using drugs. They actually named themselves after drugs. And then we watched them overdose and die. We watched a whole wave of them overdose and die. And there's a whole generation of rappers who are dead because their culture normalized drug addiction. Who's behind that? The devil. This is Satan's goal to normalize sin. Oh, I can master this thing. Oh, no, you can't. Better people than you have not mastered this. People with stronger willpower than you were mastered by this. People that I know and love were mastered by drug addiction and aren't alive today. You are not going to be the exception. We have to recognize that. When sin is normalized, our society is destroyed. And the third thing I want us to see is the world has replaced God's wisdom for the wisdom of the world. 
the wisdom of the world. Like they know better. Like, like being faithful to your wife isn't cool. Like, guess what? No, it really is. It's, 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 really, it's, it's really a better way to live. Amen? It's really better to be able to trust the person you're in a relationship with. It's far better to have things normalized than living crazy. Some people just love living crazy, live the craziest lives in the world. I'm like, I'm exhausted talking to you about your crazy life. Just hearing the crazy decisions you make makes me exhausted. I don't know how you live every day. I don't know how you wake up and go to work and just stay away. I'd have to nap every day if I lived that crazy because I can't keep up. I don't have the strength or mental fortitude to live that kind of crazy. I tell you what, the peace that comes from following Jesus, I'm addicted to that. I'm addicted to sitting in peace, amen? <clears throat> and this is what God has for you. And so if we're going to define the world, here's how we're going to define it. You ready? As we work on a, 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 a theological definition of the world for what we're talking about. It's the system of popular ideas, values, practices, and social norms that are institutionalized in a culture, organized around the twin sins of rebellion against God and the redefinition of good and evil. The twin sins of rebellion against God and the redefinition of good and evil. There was a um, time <clears throat> that it was shameful for a CEO of a company to make a thousand times more than his employees. That's normalized in today's society. I'm not even talking about people who started the company. I'm talking people who work there as CEO. It, there, there, there's a, I'm, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to kind of bear my soul here for a second to let you know. Massive corporations like Walmart, <clears throat> they're able to stay in business because their employees qualify for social assistance. Without social assistance, they would not be able to have employees. So the American taxpayer is subsidizing Walmart while the, while the people who run Walmart are billionaires. That's sin. That is crazy. And, and, and in our society, it's completely normalized. That is not right. There's problems with that. When you make billions off of keeping people in welfare, there's a problem. But that is the society we live in. Here we are in Boca Raton with massive wealth, massive opulence, with people who have more money than they know what to do with. Jesus is saying, hey, you who have an ability to create wealth, I got a plan for your money. It is to help people. It is to sow into families. It is to bless those who have blessed you. It is to pay it forward for generational wealth that you could break generational poverty. There is something that these people can do with their wealth other than buy another boat or another helicopter or another house. There is a reward that they could sow here on earth in the kingdom of God that will actually pay dividends in heaven. None of that stuff that we buy for ourselves goes to heaven with us. But when you sow your funds into the kingdom of God, into other people, into blessing others, into feeding the poor, into visiting the prisoner, into helping the widow, into helping those who are stuck in poverty, you're actually sowing into that account that that Duke talked about when he was doing the offering. You're actually sowing into a kingdom heaven account that you get to withdraw from in heaven 
for eternity. This is a vision that God has for finances. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. There are things we do and things we think that are contrary to God's way. This is the world. These things are defined as sin. There is sin. I was having dinner with uh, Brianna over here, and I was letting her know some some books I was reading through and some uh, sermon series I was praying through. And I was telling her, hey, let me show you the scripture about these people going to hell. And Brianna's like, let's just hold off on that one, Pastor. <laughs> Might want to pray through that one a little bit, Pastor, before you. But, there, but it's coming. Because in this world, we don't think anything's sin. Like, there's, like we don't, we're scared to call anything sin. Because everything is up for debate these days. But guess what? This is not up for a debate. The Word of God is not up for debate. What Jesus calls sin is not up for debate. What He calls life is not up for debate. The, 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 the blessing He has for you is not up for debate. And we have to be walking in His ways to walk in His blessings. We can't do it any other way. We have to walk with God. And, 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 and as followers of Jesus, we want to live in a way that is welcoming to God, that welcomes the Spirit of God to live with us so that we can have that peace. And here's what I want you to know today. Sin isn't forbidden. Sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. So many people get saved and they're like, hey, what are the rules? Well, it's not about the rules. It's about living in life abundant. It's about living in a way that we keep the presence of God with us. It's living in a way that we host Holy Spirit and don't grieve Him. It's living in a way that we know that we're walking in God's peace and, and God's best. It's, it's not like you have to make sure you dress like this and you don't say that and you, you know, when you pray, you do these hand motions and guys, it's like this craziness you see with other religions. It's like that, that none of that profits you. It's walking with Jesus. It's just walking with Jesus, hearing His voice and obeying. it's being able to sit down and hear God say, man, son, I'm proud of you. You, You've done good. Hey, daughter, I saw that thing that you were, that that situation you were in and you could have turned your eye to that person and you didn't because you didn't want that kind of attention. I'm proud of you for for being more mature than that in this day and age. I'm, I'm proud of you that you're able to be so confident in yourself that you don't need to do these other things that degrade your character. This is, this is what God wants for us. This is, this is the life that we're called to. And we have to be honest. There's a reason the devil tempts us with sin, because sin is pleasurable. Our flesh loves sin. It, it, lo- it, it enjoys it. it. It enjoys eating three-pound bags of jelly beans, right? It does not like when you step on the scale two days later, and now you are reaping the rewards of your sin, The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. It doesn't say the wages from sin, the wages of sin. Sin literally pays you directly for your sin, and it cuts you off from the life of God. Sin directly gets deposited into your account and starts eating away at your reserves. And this is why Paul in Hebrews talked about the passing pleasure of sin. And when you violate your conscience and we do things that we know are against God's best, for a moment it feels great, and then that pit makes it not worth it at all. Unless we totally kill our spirit to what God has called us to be. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If you follow me, you will experience life. 
the broad way is to follow the crowd. The, the, the broad way is not to follow life. The broad way leads to destruction. And it's, it's easy to spot the world. It's, it's easy to spot the, the, the sin of the world. It's easy to see what colonization has done to, to, to developing nations. It's, it's easy to see what militarism has done to our world. It's easy to see what corporate greed has done. But we don't recognize that we ourselves have been colonized by the world. We don't recognize the hedonism that we give into. We don't, we don't recognize the, the sexual ethic that the world is trying to put on us. We don't recognize the individualism that the world says we deserve, that we deserve to do whatever makes us feel good. And I'm here to share with you that we didn't come up with that idea on our own. That was the enemy colonizing us with the ways of the world. This, this is the fight that you and I are in. We have to open our eyes and we have to be understanding the war that we're a part of. Is this making sense at all? Here, here's how John talked about it in, in 1 John chapter 2. He says, Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. And he talked about these three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is where our warfare is. This is where the battle is. We got to be real. As Christians, there is a battle that Jesus has empowered us to win. The lust of the flesh. That's, that's like the desires of the flesh. That's your desire for, I don't know, we think lust and we think sex. And so it is partially that, this sexual lust of the flesh, but it's also the desires that our flesh craves, be it black jelly beans or just to be warm when we're cold, but also to be at pleasure and not have to work hard. The lust of the flesh says, don't go to the gym. It's, uh, you know... Ah, you don't need to work out. Like, do you really need to? Does, is it really a problem that, you know, you're fighting with your weight? Look, at, look it's so normalized in today's society. That's the lust of the flesh that says it's okay to be just lazy and just not take care of your body. The lust of the flesh says, man, I, 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 I'm angry at this person and I just want to scream right now because it feels good to me. That's, it's this lust of the flesh and we have to take dominion over our body and deny it what it wants. Then we have the lust of the eye. The Bible talks about this as old as creation. This is in the first 10 commandments. It's greed. It's, it's, it's desiring something that your neighbor has that isn't yours. It's jealousy. It's envy. It's looking on something and I, and ah, I just, I wish I had it instead of him. And then going ahead and doing things to try to make it happen where you got to tear someone down so you can build yourself up and you try to erode someone else's influence so you can increase your influence. There's the pride of life. That's, that's, that's this rebellious, I am my own self and I know better than anyone else. The pride of life. This, of course, as I said earlier, goes all the way back to the garden in Genesis chapter 3. This is what happened in the garden it says, the enemy was speaking to Adam and Eve. He says, 
For God knows on that day, you will eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. This is the devil tempting Adam and Eve with this pride, this this lust, this desire, this, this, this disordering good and evil. Verse six, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, here we have the lust of the flesh. God told her not to eat from this tree, but now that the enemy has spoken to Eve, there's an open door to the devil in her life. The devil spoke to her and she did not talk back the word of God. She did not speak back to the devil when the devil said, oh, no, 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 God is only saying this because you can't really trust him. You can't really trust that that leader in your life. You you can't trust the godly counsel that's been given to you. You know better than all that. When, 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 When she allowed that into her life, when she didn't speak back the word of God, what happened was she opened a door in her heart to the devil. And the devil began speaking right into her life. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. She didn't see that before the devil spoke. So the lust of the flesh, here we go. And that it was a delight to the eyes. Oh, I really should be able to have this. I, man, this would be good for me, I think, even though God said no. And that the tree was desirable to make one, what's it say? The pride of life. She took some of the fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband with her, and she ate. This, this, this is the sin from the very beginning. It started from the very beginning. And in this story, we know that there was male and female, but Eve represents all mankind right here. This is the sin of all mankind, where we think we know better than God, We think that what our body wants is more important than what our mind knows we should be doing. And we think whatever we see, we we should be able to have. It's a lie from the devil. We have to take control over these things. And if you remember, in Isaiah chapter 5, what we read a moment ago, let me read it to you out of the New English Translation. is 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 it here? It should be. Here it is right there. Out of the New England Translation. Those who call evil good and good evil are as good as dead. This is what Isaiah said. They're as good as dead. Who turn darkness into light and light into darkness. Who turn bitter into sweet and sweet into bitter. And then he goes on with his woes. They're as good as dead. When we cut our heart off to the conviction of God, we're as good as dead. This is why in the New Testament he says, hey, when you find a brother in sin and you go to him with elders even, and you go to him and say, listen, you're stuck in sin. The elders have gathered. We're all in agreement. You're stuck in sin. If they do not repent, you're to treat them as an unbeliever because they have died to the Spirit of God. No matter what gifts they think they, think they can dis- demonstrate, no matter what scriptures they act like they can recite, they have died in Christ. And what Brianna doesn't want me to tell you is they're going to hell. They have rejected the Spirit of God, and they have now cursed themselves to destruction. The Bible says as good as dead. We need to be soft to the conviction of Holy Spirit. I don't know if you have um, seen this week, I don't know how many of you uh, read uh, popular newspapers. But in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article out this week about this Stanford scientist. He, he, wrote, he wrote a book 
um, called Determined. And now he's a, he's a scientist uh, at Stanford. Uh, he's a bright guy. And he came out with this argument that none of us have any free will. Everything we decide has already been determined by where we come from, by how we grew up. And, and what happened was this guy, he brilliant. His parents were brilliant. He grew up as an Orthodox Jew. And, uh, and uh, the, in, in, the, in the article in the Wall Street Journal says, that all changed on a single night in his early teens. While grappling with the questions of faith and identity, he was struck by an epiphany that kept him awake until dawn and reshaped his future. God is not real. There is no free will. And we primates are pretty much all on our own. And so in his argument, there's nothing you do that can change the future. He even says that when a man shoots into a crowd of people, the guy who pulled the trigger had no more control over himself than the person who was in the crowd and was shot. He studied primates for years, and he came to this decision that we're just like the apes. We can't be held responsible for our decisions because they're all made for us. His book came out this week and people are calling him brilliant. Now, this is not a, this is not a dumb man. He was a MacArthur Fellowship Award winner. He was an Alfred Sloan Fellowship Award winner, a Klagenstein Fellowship in Neuroscience. This is a brilliant man who has come up with some very stupid ideas because he does not understand that we are not like monkeys. We have a soul and we have the Spirit of God that empowers us to follow Jesus. And though he says who we are is controlled by factors beyond our control, we know that not to be true. Can you say amen? amen. In sociology, they call this habitus. And there's this theory that where you are born determines what's going to wind up in your life. Who you're born to, your family, the, the parents and the social status that you're raised with determines what you love and what you value and, and, and who you're going to be and, and what, what you um, will aspire to. And you're kind of stuck in that system. And I'm here to tell you, without the Holy Ghost, that's probably true. But with the, the living God on your side, with, with the, the sacrifice Jesus who has made a way to the throne of God for you, who has conquered sin, who has conquered death, who calls you a son and a daughter of God, who has adopted you into the kingdom, into the family, who is making a place for you in heaven right now. Without that, you are just the sum total of the cells firing in your brain and the synapses that have been that have been laid down as pathways. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you and your soul is awakened to the truth of God, all of a sudden, there is a new kingdom that you're part of and there is a new inheritance that you have. There is a new community that you have been adopted into and there is a new fellowship that you find yourself in. What these scientists, as brilliant as they are, do not factor in is that there is a culture that we have, but there is a culture of the kingdom of God that we get to be a part of that is very real. The angels that are present are very real. The cloud of witnesses that is here right now is very real. And the Trinity, the three in oneness of God, the one in threeness of God is very real. And we are adopted into that Trinity. We are right there in the midst of the fellowship of God. And it changes what we hear. It changes what we see. It changes how we think. And it changes the opportunities that you have in your life. Can you say amen? amen. 
I was stuck in sin before I got saved. I was absolutely trapped in a cycle of self-destruction, of bad decisions, just going nowhere. Just a poor kid who didn't go to high school was stuck going absolutely down. It was a miracle that I reached adulthood without spending lengthy time in jail. I don't know how it happened. I used to always worry about it. I used to have nightmares about it because I knew the time was coming. But God, can you say, but God? But God, but God came and saved me and he set me free and he cast the devil out of me and the demons released from my life. And all of a sudden, I'm here to let you know, from one day to the next, things were different. Now, there was stuff I had to walk out. I had to learn how to live in this kingdom because I had become so normalized to this world of sin. But I have been normalized now to the kingdom of heaven. And I just, I, I just welcome the peace of God in my life. I welcome the peace of God in my house. I love when people come over, especially people who are in struggle, who are in warfare. They come to our house and they just don't leave. And they're just like, it's just so peaceful here. I'm like, yes, it's a little boring. We like it that way. I've lived chaos. I've, I lived enough chaos in the first 27 years of my life that I just don't need any more chaos. Duke, you ever been in a place where you're like, I don't need more chaos? I don't need chaos. Mikey, I don't need chaos. I don't feed off it. Don't welcome it. Don't desire it. I'm definitely not trying to make it. I'm not trying to import it. I'm not trying to bring it in. No thank you. No how. I'll take boring any day of the week. That's the king of heaven right there. That's the kingdom of heaven. This is, the, this is the life that God has called us to. You know what they found in, in research? They found, that, um, they found that people who feel like they have no control over their actions, like, like, like I'm, I'm, my life has already been determined by where I was born. My life has been determined by by uh, my social class or my uh, ethnic makeup or my nationality, when people are, have just given themselves into that kind of determinism, they, they, find, that, um, they, 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 they find that they are more, they're more aggressive and they're less helpful to people around them. Shadi Stowe, like they, since they feel like their life is beyond their control, they don't seek to make anybody else's life better. And, and people... People who would call themselves like law-abiding people, if they're told that an election was rigged, like they had no power over who the president can be, law-abiding people become felons who take over our, our capital house. Have you noticed that? Like these are people that you never would imagine that they would do something terrible against their own country. But once they were convinced that they had no power over what was going to happen, they do illegal things. They do things that they would be embarrassed to tell their grandchildren about because they believe the lie that their lives are predetermined, that they have no control over the outcome. This is what the devil wants to tell you. Things aren't going to work out. Doesn't matter how hard you try, you might as well give up now. You're not going to make it. It was, it was dumb of you to even think that you could make it. Oh, that could, that could work for them, but it's not going to work for you because of your family or your parents or the relationship you're in or, oh, you did this sin and now, 
That's it. You're disqualified. That, yeah, it's not going to work out for you. The, nobody understands what you've gone through. Maybe they made it, but you know you won't make it because of what you've been through. Here, I'm, I'm here to let you know that is the voice of the devil. And just like he lied to Adam and Eve in the garden not to trust God, I'm here to let you know he is lying to you that your future is not bright, that you're going to never make it. I'm here to let you know you will make it. With God, you're going to get ahead. Your finances are going to be in right order. Your kids are going to serve God. You are going to leave a legacy in your lifetime. You're going to break generational curses and your name will be blessed generation after generation after generation because you chose righteousness. Can you say amen? Just thank God for a second, would you please? Just thank Jesus that he's enabling you. Come on, just thank him. Take 20 seconds and just thank him. Thank you, Jesus. You empowered me to break generational curses in my line and my kids will not deal. Come on, just thank him for 20 seconds. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given me the ability to break these things. And I choose to walk into the future you have for me in the name of Jesus. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's who God says that you are. The lie that we have no control over our desires, our life choices, or our community is a trap of the devil to make you choose the ways of the world. It's a trap. Ah, it's like we're married. We might as well live in together. Well, if it's like you're married, sign the paper. Oh, it's, we're, we're, you know, we're, 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 it's just a piece of paper. Oh, yeah? Well, then just sign it. If it's just a piece of paper, sign it. Oh, because it's not just a piece of paper. It's like we're married. Mm, it's like I'm a basketball player. <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Baby, you know I love you. It's like, you, you know, you like my wifey. Well, I'd like you to take the Y off and make me your wife. And then I can act like your wifey. Come on. I mean, it, it, the, 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 just stop falling for stupidity. Just stop falling for the lies. Amen? You're in, the, you're in a business meeting, businessmen, and they're like, well, you're like, these numbers don't look right. Like, well, you know, we got to do this for the loan. No, not me, brother. Not me. No, I don't think so. Uh-uh. 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 I don't think so. I, I, I remember, um, I, I just have, I have a million stories like this. And every time I did not honor God with the truth to just kind of cut a corner, it costs more. The Lord is like, no, not you, Carl. This isn't how you're going to live. You're going to have to live righteous because we're trying to break some generational curses. Now, back to the garden. You know, the enemy lied that Adam and Eve had no control. The devil lied to give them a way out of that oppression. I, this, is, this is what I want you to see. This is how, remember we talked about the difference between the demonic and the satanic? The demonic causes chaos. The demonic causes fear and pain where the satanic gives false light. Remember we talked about this? False light. And so what the devil does is he, he brings the demonic to bring a darkness. And then the devil comes with false light to give you a way out. And so, and so, and so in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were perfectly happy. And then... The devil comes and says, did, did you recognize that God is hold, withholding things from you? And you're like, um, oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah, he don't really want you to be, he doesn't really want you to be smart like him. He doesn't really want, the, oh, look at that. Let's, uh, shh, shh. 
hushed tones and whispers. I'm here to let you know, if people are whispering you about other people, let's say, well, let's go talk to them. Here's how you know if it's a devil or not. They won't do it. That's the devil. The devil works in darkness. Hey, did you notice, uh, blah, blah, blah. Ah, don't, you know, don't, don't say anything about it. Why, why not say anything? Why, why are we keeping this in darkness? If this is really happening, let's go talk to them. Let's have a conversation. Let's, let's restore them. I read in the Bible that says if you find a brother sinning, we got to go to them and we got to restore them. What are you talking about? We're going to continue to gossip about them. No, 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 brother. That, that's the ways of the world. That's, that's, that's not the ways of the kingdom of God. Well, I don't want them to know. You don't want to know what? That we care about them? That, that we actually love them? That, that, that we want to see the best for them? That we, that we want to see them restored? Unless you're actually lying and none of this is true and you're trying to cause problems because you're jealous of my friendship. No, 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 no. No matter what the answer is here, I'm not going to join myself with what you're doing. You, you see how Satan does this? He wants to divide your family, wants to divide your church, wants to divide your friendships, wants to divide your... Man, it's just what he does. He's a liar. And, 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 and so this is why Jesus says in John 15, if you feel like this world is completely opposite of what you're hearing from God. Take courage. Take courage because the same thing is happening to me. This is what Jesus said. And so we, we talked about the problem. Here's the problem. The world lies and it tricks us into making choices that are detrimental to our well-being. What do we do about it. What do we do about this sin? What do we do about the world? Well, in the first couple years of 100, excuse me, first couple hundred years of Christianity, what they would do is they had these people called the Desert Fathers. And the Desert Fathers were like, this whole world is sinful. You ever felt that way? Like, it's just sinful. If there's just a way I could remove myself from all this drama, that would be better. And so throughout the years, what people have done is they've completely removed themselves from society and they live in a commune, or they live on their own, or they live by themselves. And we had the desert fathers who said, you know what? I'm not even going to be around other people. It's just going to be me and Jesus in the desert, defeating the devil again. And they got there, and they prayed, and they fasted. And you know what they found out? Sin was still there. <laughs> Why? Because they were there. <laughs> and so what we have today are the foundations of what we call spiritual warfare. All the teachings on spiritual warfare came out of the season where these, these men mostly, and some women, uh, the mothers and fathers of the church got alone and tried to blame all their problems on you guys, on the world, on them out there. If it weren't for them out there, I would be living perfect. I wouldn't be in sin. I could be living a peaceful life, and it's all them. And then they got alone, and they found out, well, maybe the problem it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me, right? Like this is, this is what they found out. This is, this is what they discovered. They discovered that the problem is not the world. The problem is on the inside. The problem was them. And so they started laying out practices to start living in a way that choked the devil out of their lives. These are, the, these are what we, we call the, the spiritual disciplines. They, 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 they moved and they tried to isolate themselves and it doesn't work. And they decided, man, I just have to start living a godly life. They, they discovered wherever you are, there's the influence of the enemy. And so I better start taking control over myself no matter wherever 
I am. In the first week of this message series, we talked about uncovering the lies that we believe. Remember that? Remember we, we, we did some practice? Remember that? Yes. We got alone with God and we asked God, what, what lies have I believed about my life? Because those lies stay hidden alive in our lives. And we notice that they just keep coming up. You ever notice that? Like you could be in Christ for a year and then like you're dealing with a problem. You're like, oh man, I've been dealing with this a year now. Look at that. That gets cropped up over here. And then you, 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 know, you deal with it there and then you're like, man, I got this problem. I got this problem. Someone talks to you like, is this an issue in your life? You're like, well, yeah, but I dealt with that. And like, eh, but I don't know. Did you, did you really, right? And then we deal with these lies that are alive in our lives. Are, are, are you with me? Yeah. And so then, uh, then we started reading the Bible out loud. So we heard the truth because we want to hear the truth louder than we hear the lies, right? Right, right? And then the third week, we spent time in Galatians 5, studying the bondage of the flesh and asking Holy Spirit to bring the light where there is darkness. And last week, we read through the book of Ephesians together. Who enjoyed that? I really enjoyed that. I got so much out of that. Amen. We read through the book of Ephesians together, and, um, and, and, and we told people about our Jesus journey. And, and I, I hope that you would incorporate all of this into your life. These are called spiritual disciplines. They're disciplines that we practice to keep from being formed into the ways of the world, right? If, if, you, if you leave a rock in one place, it's never going to move unless you move it, right? And if we are that rock, we get fat. And so what we do is we get our fat body out of the chair, away from the fridge, and we move it a little bit so that we don't become sedentary and useless. That's, that's called just being in shape, right? We live longer. That's what we need to do with our spirit man. We need to get our fat, lazy spirit man that's just carried along by the world to do whatever the world says is right. And we say, no, I need to work out my spirit man. I need to read the Bible out loud. I need to hear the lies of the devil and I need to speak to it. I need to study the word. I need to share it with other people who do not know God. These are, these are these spiritual disciplines. And I want you to know that spiritual disciplines are spiritual warfare. When you decide to wake up early and read your Bible, you are pushing back the voice of the devil. When you decide to tell somebody, no, no, I'm not going to gossip about you. You are pushing back the forces of the devil. When you decide to be faithful to God in your finances, you're letting the devil know, guess what? You don't determine my wealth. God determines my wealth. God, God pays my bills. This is, these are spiritual disciplines that we have to enact in our lives. Witnessing. I, I, was, uh, I was at a conference two weeks ago. And I was praying, and, and I felt like the Lord was telling me, hey, Carl, you know, this, I, 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 God gave me a new barber, like the guy, really nice guy, doing, doing, doing good, I, I like my hair cut, doing good, right? And, and we've been talking about Jesus, whatever, and uh, I'm in this conference, and, and uh, Jesus is like, you know, you really, you really need to tell him, you really need to witness to this guy. I'm like, well, we talk about, you know, but we, he's like, no, no, you need to really witness to this guy. And I'm sitting in the conference, and right after I said that, the guy at the conference says, there's people in your life who you need to witness to. It might be your barber. I was like, okay, God, all right. All right, I got you. I mean, it was literally immediately after. I was like, okay, okay, I'll do that. And so I began to pray into that divine appointment that was going to happen. I just began to pray, set aside time. I'm pushing back darkness. Now, if you got a barber, you don't want to witness too much because if they really get in, they just keep cutting. They prolong the haircut and your hair gets shorter and shorter 
and shorter and shorter, and you're like, we got to get to the point here. And, and so, and so, I, 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 and, and so I, I don't, I, I'm, I can't uncover my divine appointment because that would be unethical. But here's what, here's what happened. I show up to my barber, and uh, normally it's packed. There's nobody there. And uh, we start talking, and he mutes the music, and he's like, hey, I just wanted to talk to you about something. I was like, yes, absolutely. And I just begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the nearness of God. He's like, this happened? And he's like, he's like, this thing happened? And I said, this has to be God. And I said, and your next appointment was the pastor. He's like, yeah. And I shared the gospel with him. I shared the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, God loves him and loves his family and how he needs to begin to practice spiritual disciplines to get the enemy out of his family. And I, it, it, like when you pray for divine appointments, God brings them. He gives you opportunities to tell people about him because there's nothing greater for your soul than that. Come on up, Mike, if you would. Hallelujah. 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 Let me tell you what the greatest spiritual practice is. You're practicing it right now. You, you give up part of your time. I don't, those of you who've just normalized coming to church, who just, this is part of your life, I commend you, but I want you to be cognizant of what you're doing every Sunday morning. You are pushing back against this society that says it's all about you. You're pushing back against society that says, well, you could just sit at home and watch church on TV. You're pushing back against this society that says, well, my God can be whatever I want it to be. You're pushing back on a society that says it's all about you. This is the greatest spiritual discipline you can practice. You set apart the very first part of the very first day of week and you gather under heaven under the banner of God's love under the name that Jesus Christ has put on the church his bride and then you worship him together with the saints you hear the public reading of the word you sit and hear the word read over you and then you pray for people pray for people around you man don't, don't, don't take for granted how important this is how vital this is to your spirit, man. We, we joke about people sitting in the back. We call them backsliders, right? Like they just, you know those people who sat on the front row and then they slide back and they just backslide and then they slide out the door. Same thing you see in people's giving. The people who have been most treacherous to this church, after they leave, we look and they stop giving months ahead of time. But did not have the moral integrity to confess. Hey, I'm not really connected anymore. Instead, they sit and they sow rebellion. Spiritual disciplines will keep you. And when you know, I don't want to do this, you say, oh, the devil is up to something in my life. I understand there's soccer. I understand. I'm a football fan. I watch a lot of football. And this is going to sound silly, but I count it as an offering that I don't watch Sunday morning football. Like, I come before God. I'm like, you know how much I love football, and it's only on so many months of the year. This is an offering to you. I am worshiping you by not. This is a spiritual discipline for me. But I want to let you know, if you're struggling with sin today, if you're, if you're struggling, you're like, I'm not living the life I want to live. I want to live free and I'm unable to. Pastor, I'm fully convinced, and I know that I've been struggling with addiction. I've been struggling with pornography. I've been struggling with anger. I've not been listening to my spouse, or I have not been a good, I've not been showing up to time. 
at work or, or whatever it is, whatever cycle in your life that you can't break. There is a spirit of this age that's not just an attitude, but it's an actual demon. And these demons attract to our souls and we need to be set free. The Bible calls that deliverance. Jesus had a disciple and as they talked about the disciple, they said, and she had seven demons cast out of her. That was just part of her testimony. You got a pastor who got saved and got the devil cast out of him. And I'm thankful to God for it. I'm thankful I didn't show up at a church that didn't believe in demons because they'd still be here. I'm glad that Jesus set me free. Can you say amen? We call that being sanctified, set apart. And I've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. This is what I want for your life. And you're in a church today that believes in this five-fold gifting of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry. That anointing is here today to set you free from that which has plagued your soul. And what I want to give you an opportunity here at the end of this service is to allow the Spirit of God to come and minister to your soul in a way where you can be set free. And here's what I want to be able to do. If, you, if you're away from God today, if you're, if you're just not following God, you're not maybe trapped in a life of sin, but you're just not following God the way you know you should be. I want to, not right now, but I want to welcome you to come forward and just maybe sit in some of these front chairs as we create an atmosphere for you to just receive from the presence of God but maybe you need to repent today maybe you live according to the spirit of this age maybe maybe there's sin that's rampant in your life and you are ready to be done with it you're ready to have short accounts with God you're ready to deal with it and you're ready to get set free we are going to lay hands on you today and we are going to declare freedom we're not even going to ask what you want set free from we're going to cast out two kinds of spirit Foul and wicked, right? That's it. We're going to get set free from it. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you've been dealing with. If you're stuck in sin and you need to confess to somebody, set up a meeting with your life group leader, your pastors. I'm more than happy to hear your confession. But right now, we're just going to believe God to set people free. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Let's pray. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. You say amen. So Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Ramon Brianna, can I have you come forward? Maybe Chelsea can come forward if the Rentlers can come forward. Subake Batante Ramon Aleba. Oh, here we go. There it is right there. Shando. Come on, pray the spirit if you have a prayer language. We're just going to pray for some people to be. That's a ramples. Shimba Kante. 
Ramonda la balamba nderere kekarada. La barramanda nderere keterebe. Saraboka. We are going to be set free. Just give me a little bit here, yeah. Shaboka terebeke. Lambaramunka nderere kahaleba. Saraboka nderabokunda rabadan nderere. Reba rabarriba la balaman nderere. I feel like somebody today, it's, it's, it's time for this season to end. Today's the day you get set free from this cycle of sin and destruction. Today is the day that you have the courage to lay down those things that have bound you. And if you're, if you're brave enough to come get free, I want you to come stand in front of somebody here and ask them to pray. And they're going to pray the prayer of faith. And they're going to declare freedom over your life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've just not been walking with God the way you know you should be, I want you to just come forward and sit in the front chairs or just rest under the presence of God. But I would encourage you to come forward. Allow someone just to lay hands on you and say, I declare freedom over your life in the name of Jesus. I declare victory over your life in the name of Jesus. I declare this thing ends today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus sets you free in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus sets you free in the name of Jesus. Rich, do me a favor and come catch you if you would, please. Come on over here if you would catch for me if you would, please. In the name of Jesus, the blood sets you free today. It sets you free today. Sets you free today in the name. In the name above. Fire of God. Fire of God. God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Freedom right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Fire of God in the name of Jesus. We declare freedom over your life, Josh. In the name of Jesus. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, Sabo Kaba. Freedom in now put your hand over your heart if you're still out there and just say, Jesus, flood my heart with your love. Rich, give me a hand here, if you please. In the name, three, two, one, boom, right there. There we go. Oh, well, you know, that's a good shot, though. In the name of Jesus. 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 Chelsea, or, excuse me, not Chelsea. Come on up here if you would. I want to sing good, good father, nice and soft. We're going to come against the lie of the devil that says you can't trust him. Corey, I need you to unmute her. Starting good, good father. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. Come on, declare it of your life. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. Come on, say it out loud. It's who I am. This is your real identity. It's who I am. This is your real identity. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are.